generation dwells here And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them They be like, I only went to school with them Welcome to Color Correction, a GCC podcast about race from the perspective of a black girl, an Asian guy, and a white guy too. My name is Andrew. I'm Asian. He, him, his pronouns. And my name's Bethany. I'm a black woman, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Chris. I'm white. He, him. So we're back here in the current year, 2020. In the year 2000. <laughs> Second <laughs> decade of the 21st century. Uh, That's crazy. I know it is, isn't it? I'm going to be 30 this year. We're in the 20s. Mm. I'm not looking forward to that. I had a hard time with 30. I didn't think I would. And then my 30th birthday rolled around and I had an existential crisis. Mm -hmm. Mm. I'm expecting that in July. So the first thing we like to do in the episode is refer back to whatever we didn't mention or thought we should have mentioned or want to correct from previous episodes. I think we've got one correction this week, which is that I don't know how I managed to talk about 2019 and touch upon country music and talk about things that were cool or we liked without mentioning how Old Town Road dominated the music charts, yep. the Billboard music charts for all of the summer of 2019. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we had acknowledged that it was one of the things that you were into at one point, Bethany, in our previous slate of episodes. Yeah. I am very into the fact that Lil Nas X, uh, queer crossover, black country music song, uh, totally dominated both the meme sphere and the music sphere yes. for I'm mostly, the whole summer. I was mostly into the fact that white people were so irritated and upset by it. That was so delicious. Yeah. Just the <laughs> beautiful intersection of all these amazing things. That right. white people think they owned, and uh-huh. then this little gay black kid just yeah. busted that door yeah, open. Yeah, it was amazing. Great. Little Nas X, way to put your finger right in the middle of that old wound. Yes, I love <laughs> it. So we also like to read reactions comments questions stuff that people have sent in in our section we call speak up and please keep doing that we're like slowing down with critiques or letters or um accolades all those things so if you want to if you want your letter or your critique or anything to be heard on our speak up section feel free to email us at circle mobilizing at gmail.com or follow and comment on our Facebook page, um, The Color Correction Podcast. All right. So this letter comes from a woman that has known me since I was maybe 12 or 13 years old. Um, and they just started listening to our podcast uh, last week, I believe. So I've been listening to your podcast. First of all, I love hearing your voice on my radio. <laughs> yes. I like how you all introduce yourselves with your preferred <clears throat> pronoun. It's a very hard thing for me to get used to saying they and them, but one of my children has recently um, begun identifying as non-binary. They give me the mom pass, but I'm still trying to unlearn pronouns from elementary school. I also love the fact that you all are cussing Christians and just speak on air like you do sitting around each other's living rooms. I like the civil exchange of ideas and how each person's opinion is considered, but not necessarily agreed with. There is a whole world of things I don't know about, like the fact that there are no juvenile incarceration facilities in Philly. I work with a 21-year-old man who has done time, and he said, that's messed up. 
Anyway, I think you're doing a great job giving a voice to people in issues that need talked about. Hope you feel good about what you've accomplished and say hi to your mom for me. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for that letter. And also thank you for um, speaking to challenging the things that we've learned from childhood, like um, looking at somebody and deciding what their pronoun is for them and trying to unlearn that and um, asking folks what their pronoun is. And a really good way of doing mm. that is saying what your pronoun f- is first and then asking um, if you'd like to share, I want to be able to address you the way you identify. You mind sharing your pronoun with me too? So yeah. cool. Here's to unlearning things in 2020. For yeah, sure. Thanks for sharing that. So the subject of this episode and possibly the next couple of episodes that we're going to move into is the question of how we consume things ethically or how do we engage in the world. We kind of touched on this sort of in uh, episode 12 when we were talking about how do we engage with certain artists. And that's a subject that we'll probably be coming back to at some point. Um, But for today, I think what we want to do is talk about this question a little more broadly because... We exist in a world where we're constantly making choices, choices about where to spend our money, choices about how to spend our time. And like it or not, a lot of these choices are ethical choices uh, because of the kind of system of capitalism that we're plugged into. And because they're ethical choices, they're also social choices. We're also Mm -hmm. thinking about like, what is this person going to think when they see me wearing Mm -hmm. this brand or when they see me getting a bunch of Amazon packages or something, you know? So I guess the way I want to enter into this, the the kind of way, the angle in first is um, what are some of the choices that you've got, that you guys have made, or what are the choices that we've made in our day-to-day life uh, because of these ethical considerations, Mm -hmm. because of these social considerations, because we exist in this kind of environment? And maybe as we talk about this, if what I'm talking about isn't clear, it'll become more clear. Mm-hmm. Chris, why don't you start us off? Yeah. Um, so some of the, when I when I think about that, some of the some of the choices I make um, are the way I buy clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't buy a whole lot of new clothing. Um, mostly, I shop at thrift stores. Um, the thinking behind that is there are so many companies whose labor force um, is mostly in the third world, could mm-hmm. be children, um, where their wages are terrible, and and Maybe they shouldn't be there because they should be in school anyway. Like so, there's a lot of like ethical considerations that I try and mitigate by buying my clothes secondhand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the ethical consideration there is both um, you're trying to avoid human exploitation. Yeah. Uh, and there have been a bunch of news stories over the past few weeks about how, like, a lot of supply chains were using labor from the Uyghur camps that the Right. That the Chinese Communist government was putting people into essentially mm-hmm. slave labor. Um, but it's also, I mean, there's an environmental side to it too, right? Yeah. I'm, I, I don't even, I didn't really bring that up. But like, that is something I think about, like, when I go into a clothing store, any clothing store, I'm just like, I'm actually amazed by how m- much we produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it, much of it goes to waste. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I feel like thrift kind of addresses those those two angles and depending on where you're buying your clothes um when you go to a thrift store you're you're possibly supporting um other work to be done in the community like Mm -hmm. there's a couple really good thrift stores in our city one of them does a lot of work in um 
like AIDS research. Like that's Philly AIDS their, Thrift. One go. of our good friends founded that. What was that? 15, 20 years ago? A while ago. Yeah. Um, On South Street. Yeah. So like the, often the money can even go because there's not a lot of overhead to, to really good work. Yeah, I can relate to that. We try to buy not as much meat. Mm-hmm. Don't, we don't eat beef in our house anymore. Really? Yeah. When did you stop eating beef? Like a year ago about, maybe a little less. Okay. Um, and how does that help the environment? Well, a lot of carbon emissions are from raising livestock and cattle. Mm-hmm. Oh, both I didn't because know that. Both because of the cattle themselves, but also because of the land that's required to raise animals that are that big. But um, the example that I wanted to talk about was... There's a Taco Bell on Chestnut Street. I eat a lot of trash, as I bring up frequently. And the reason <laughs> if you is, don't, we do. <laughs> uh, yeah, we just all had Arby's, which was so good. Shout out to Arby's, <laughs> yeah, uh, Arby's. curly fries. Uh, but uh, on a, a way back from a hearing uh, a few months ago, I went into the Taco Bell on Chestnut Street. And then I'm reading a news story that talks about how one of the ca- one of the cashiers had written a racial slur, had called one of the cust- had written chink on a res- receipt. Whoa. For a customer at that Taco Bell. And as I'm reading the story, I'm like, the Taco Bell that they're talking about better not be the one on Chestnut Street. And then in the news story, it says that it's the Taco Bell on Chestnut Street. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> I patronize the racist Taco Bell. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I am a patron of racist tacos. Yes. Um, so now I try to, now I don't try to, now I just avoid that Taco Bell <laughs> for like ethical considerations. But Taco Bell is also super trash because it's not authentically Mexican Oh yeah, either. there are, uh, there are so many reasons not to eat, eat at Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. Yeah. I was also just, I wasn't thinking about this earlier, but like the person who wrote that probably doesn't even work there anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. I mean, so I don't just, know if it's just, definitely true. It's most likely true. They're, they're you just could being, go back if you want to. Yeah, I guess, am I, but that's the thing, like, am I not supporting that one cashier, (laughs) or also Taco Bell itself was born out of a a white dude culturally appropriating slash literally stealing from the restaurant across the street their recipe for tacos and expanding it into a multinational, international (laughs) corporation. That's a much better reason not to eat at Taco Bell. Yeah. Than and just because a of racist one weird cashier. Racist right. cashier. I know that's so true, but that's the weird kind of thing about these things. Like in my head, the association <laughs> is like, "Oh, that's the racist Taco Bell." So that's about as much thought as I put into it, you know. <laughs> when Taco Bell is just racist and cultural appropriate. When it's just no- normal racist, like it's normal right. capitalist racist, it's like, oh, whatever. I'll just get a little Taco Bell and some Starbucks. Uh-huh. I mean, while shopping at Target. Listen, if you've ever done the dollar for Uh-oh. calorie comparison on what's the most calories you can get for the least amount of money that you spend, Taco Bell comes out on top every time. And that's a, that's an objective fact. That's probably fact. why Taco Bell tastes so good drunkenly mm-hmm. at 2 a.m. too. I mean, anyway, so how about you, Bethany? <laughs> that made sense in my head. I'm not going to explain it, though. Our <laughs> listeners can figure out what I meant by that. <laughs> that's that's what we're doing in 2020. Right. Bethany says something random. Right. And you, you guys figure it out. You figure out what it means. You know, you know when you're drunk and you like start making the like calorie calculation. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Email us at circlemobilizing at gmail.com if you know what I meant by that. Um, so for me, it's really, really hard for me to make ethical decisions when consuming things because I just felt like the world is so fucked up that I wouldn't be able to consume shit 
or do anything. Mm-hmm. And I also get really stuck on the inconvenience of things. Mm-hmm. Like there's a Starbucks across the street from um, my Circle of Hope congregation. And it is my tradition that in the, in the summer, every Sunday, I get a nice little, you know, frappuccino. And then in the winter, I get a nice little latte and I worship Jesus with my frap or my latte. Mm-hmm. And when that Starbucks thing happened in Philly, what was that last year? Maybe two years ago two now. Years ago. Was it two It'll years ago? It'll be two years ago, two maybe in August. Ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, explain what happened for people. Who so in Philadelphia, there were two guys um, that went into a Starbucks in Rittenhouse. Yes. Um, two young black men that went into the Starbucks in Rittenhouse, and they were waiting for a white realtor friend to come so that they could talk about some like business dealings that they had with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sat in the Starbucks for a little bit of time and I can't remember if they intended on going to the bathroom. Did they ask to go to the bathroom? Was that what it was? I don't know. I don't even know if the bathroom was involved here. Yeah. The bathroom was wasn't involved. Okay. I think they just sat there for a bit of time and then one of the cashiers or the managers asked them to leave because they didn't buy anything. Right. And they were like, we're not going to buy anything until our friend gets here. Um, and it turned into this huge debacle that was filmed and they ended up getting arrested and they were released like hours later, but that doesn't make the the trauma of arrest any worse. Right. And it also just really exemplifies how oftentimes white people weaponize the police against black bodies and they know that they're going to come out on top every time. Because it's as simple as this person doesn't want to leave and I'm sour mm-hmm. and I could just go behind the counter and believe them that they're waiting to buy something until their friend gets here. But now right. uh, the cashier or the manager ended up calling the police and these men were arrested. So it raised this huge controversy both in the city um, and around the story. country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a national story. Um, Starbucks paid those gentlemen off um, a significant amount of money from what I've heard because I actually know some people that know them. Um, and They also closed down for a day and did a racial sensitivity training yes, day or that something I heard was like terrible. that. Yeah. Um, but it was supposed to be like well, these you know, listen you can, groups You can pick racism in one day with a, with a training. Yeah, Starbucks yeah, did it. Just <laughs> listening to each other. But I say all that to say... As soon as I heard about them paying those gentlemen off and having that racial equality day, I was in line that night to get myself some Starbucks. (laughs) I was like, yes, I can consume Starbucks again. They're open and racist again. (laughs) No, it was just like, all right, they made it better. Cool. I can consume this. That's funny, though. Wait, so you had stopped buying Starbucks? Yeah. Okay. Like, as soon as that happened, I was like, shit, I can't be seen in Starbucks. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I think it's so interesting that you phrase it that way. <laughs> you can't be seen at Starbucks. I can't be seen at Starbucks. Uh-huh. If I had Starbucks secretly delivered to me, and my name's Bethany, so they mm. would definitely think it was a white woman, <laughs> maybe that would have made it better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because it was so openly, the situation was so openly racist, um, I didn't want to be seen consuming Starbucks. But oftentimes these these ethical consumerism decisions feel so arbitrary to me because mm-hmm. our America is so rooted in racism yeah. and like even our our like economic system capitalism is deeply rooted in racism mm-hmm. that it feels like everything that I'm doing is supporting a racist system or a problematic system mm-hmm. um, so I kind of just ride on the bandwagon of what I can support and can't support at mm-hmm. certain times yeah I don't even think your attitude, I think, isn't wrong. 
Right. We exist in this system. And no matter how hard you try, you end up contributing somehow to oppression. Yeah. The reason you can afford certain things is often because there's exploitation going on, Mm -hmm. whether it's clothes or fast food or whatever we're talking about. Right. And then when you buy it, our taxes go to a government that exploits more people exploits more people and murders people in foreign countries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i think the, the your question of does it matter why do we do these things i think it's it's an interesting thing to explore yeah right because what you're saying when you were avoiding starbucks is that you didn't want to be seen at starbucks mm-hmm. um i'm kind of thinking the same thing like when i was in that taco bell like did everyone think i was like <laughs> being a traitor <laughs> because i was at the racist taco bell right you know right a big part of it is social yeah. right like these ethic these ethical decisions definitely come from uh wanting to be viewed a certain type of way socially as well mm-hmm. right and even the choice to be able to make these decisions is itself a kind of privilege absolutely totally. uh, cuz not everyone can afford to to either go to the Go to the ethical grocery store or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. So we want to acknowledge that these systems are so entrenched and messed up that uh, everyone is participating in them. So I guess the question for us is, does it matter? I mean, all of us have acknowledged in some way that we're making choices to be ethical. Mm -hmm. Yes. Why? Is it just because of people's social expectations on us? Because we're acknowledging here that you can't change the world alone. Right. What do you guys think? That's an interesting question. I think my immediate response to these choices usually comes from how I'm going to be viewed socially. Mm -hmm. And then when I actually think about it deeper, I may stick to that decision because I I feel ethically obliged to it. Hmm. Do you recycle? I would if it was convenient. See, I, maybe I'm just a lazy motherfucker. Like, maybe that's the conclusion that we're coming to. So I haven't figured out how to get a recycling bin yet. Oh, my God. And I've been in my house for two months. So Thank I just you. don't recycle yeah. yet because I haven't made the effort to get a recycling bin. It is. If so, somebody it is gave way more me difficult a recycling than it. bin. Someone keeps stealing ours. So we don't even have one anymore. We just have a plastic thing that we have recycling written on the side of it. Mm. Did you did you put your your house number on your recycling bin? Yeah. Wow, and they still stole it. Yeah, I know. So we spray just... painted our number on that recycling bin, and they still took it. Why? You can get them for free. I know. Yeah. Why would you take it? I also think when we're talking about ethical decisions being a matter of privilege, right? Like, I have enough privilege that I could make these decisions. Again, I'm just lazy as hell. Um, but for some people. They may not even have, like, the opportunity to think about these things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't know. I kind of want to think more about, like, the privilege that goes into making or not making ethical decisions. Because yeah. that's very real. Yeah, totally. I mean. You kind of touched on it, but I feel like it makes a lot of sense for us to talk about it more. I definitely. Yeah, well, just look at, for instance, uh I mean, I think there is something intuitive in the, the idea that the more privilege or the more money, the more options you have, mm-hmm. the more decisions, you, decisions can you can make. And so the kind of the more responsibility you have. Yeah, absolutely. We obviously are not millionaires. 
Because there is there are little things that we can do as working class, middle class people, mm-hmm. right? But we don't have as much responsibility as somebody that's making millions of dollars a year. Well, and and like let's go back to that recycling example. Okay, sure. This, this is something this is something we riffed off a little bit already um, in our brainstorming. Is it's good to recycle. I'm not I'm not saying that to shame you, Bethany, because the other reality is um, most of the damage caused to the planet at this point is not done at our like residential level mm-hmm. like there are a handful of corporations that do the wealth of the um of the polluting mm-hmm. at, a, at a scale at, at which like my bin of recycling is not going to counter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so there's a there's a decision i can make at one level and there there's also like a whole wealth of stuff above me that i can't really address um, which I think comes back to the question, right? Like, so, so with that as the reality, like, why even participate in anything, right? In any way countercultural, like, if it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I think I just came back to the question. I think that was. I think it's good that you came back to the question. Um, when I when I was thinking about this question, I I um I pulled up um our friend Johnny Rashid's Facebook page. Shout out to Johnny Rashid. Um, Star of episode nine and ten of color correction. Yeah, we'll bring him back at some point when we need there a ratings go. bump. Um, well, <laughs> and here he is again in a in a different way. Um, here he's talking about um, here he's talking about war. I think he wrote this um, early this year as um, as we were getting more serious. The American government government was about going to war with Iran, um, and he said, "You protest the war so that the war machine doesn't change you." And I think the same can be can be true of what we're talking about, and, and just consumerism like mm-hmm. we with whatever level of um discretion we have um use our power and our and our purchase and our purchasing power to like stand for what we think is good mm-hmm. um doesn't doesn't necessarily change everything but at least we don't have to conform to systems that are evil in the process should we break that down a little bit well, it sounds like we're talking about consciously being aware of the decisions that we're making, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and whether we're making a quote unquote good decision or not, at least making sure that we're aware of the repercussions of the decisions that we make. Right. Like, right. I just started working. Mm-hmm. I So I used to work for a law firm that we all sat at cubicles. We looked a hot mess most days. Last year, I went into a job where I have to wear business casual every day. Um and I have the money to make, like, ethical decisions about where I shop. Mm-hmm. I also have a mom that, like, taught me how to sew. So, like, I could very easily go to a thrift store and, like, tailor something to mm-hmm. fit me well. Mm. But that takes a lot of time and money yeah. that I, even though I'm a middle class working woman, like, I don't really have the time to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm aware of, so I do a lot of my shopping online at stores that are probably trash um, and exploit people's labor. Um, but that's because I have the most time and like, I don't have a whole lot of money to spend buying like Calvin Klein, right? Like I need right. to buy some shoes for $20 mm-hmm. to last me for the next couple of months while I'm doing consultations with my clients. I think it makes a difference, at least being aware of the decision that I'm making and mm-hmm. hopefully one day having a plan that I don't have to make that decision as mm-hmm. often. It's interesting that you're acknowledging that you are aware of this. 
I mean, how... Maybe it makes me more trash than I'm aware and I make the decisions that I make. <laughs> I mean, a person that is aware and still makes the decision, definitely, it feels like that person has more culpability than somebody who is unaware and makes that decision, yeah. right? Just, right. that makes intuitive sense. Yeah. So... I'm also fully aware of, like, my limitations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm really coming back to is that I have a lot of limitations. Yeah. And I make decisions where... I make decisions based on convenience and my capacity, and then I'll make other decisions based on like uh, my ethics really won't let me do this. And we're going to talk about this in a different in a different episode um, when we talk about cancel culture. But like, I will never listen to R. Kelly again, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is a solid decision I'm going to make. Kind of inconveniences my life, but not that much. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But mm-hmm. for me to have to either sit and sew my clothes or find thrift stores, you know, I'm also a plus size woman. So it might not be that easy for me to right. find clothes. Mm-hmm. I kind of just have to buy stuff from forever21.com. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel great about that decision, but I also don't have that many other options. Yeah. If that makes sense. That does make sense. And mm-hmm. I think all, all of us are in that same boat where we are making certain decisions where we, we know like probably shouldn't get this Amazon Prime membership. It's the Amazon is the number one evil company, according to the whatever that recent list that came out. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, they're going to kill us all pretty soon. Yeah. They're with their drones. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like I, I need my pa- I need this thing in two days. Like right. I don't have time to run out and grab it or yeah. whatever. It's just more. It's just inconvenient. So it's, it's stuff like that. Like we're making these decisions where we know we have some culpability, where we might have some agency, but we also are living real lives. Yes. Right. Our, it's the reality of our lives that we have to consume things in more convenient ways. But mm-hmm. like, it kind of screws other people up. So mm-hmm. is our personal convenience more important than more important than like the common good of the world Mm -hmm. and of course going back to what we were saying earlier about recycling Mm -hmm. even if i cancel my amazon prime membership or you stop stop shopping at forever 21 Mm -hmm. that it's not like the next day celebration exploitation over (laughs) right (laughs) it doesn't really make a difference yeah here's the thing there is this guilt that we have over the decisions that we're making And I think that that can be helpful in helping us make good decisions or pushing us toward a place where we can make good decisions. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that there is no, no matter who you are or where you are, as long as you're plugged into the system, you're going to be making these kinds of decisions. Right. So there's just no way for... And whatever decision you make, it's going to fuck something up probably. Yeah. And the fact that you can make decisions at all, again, is a sign of your privilege. Right. So I think that being said, it kind of frees us to stop. Since there is no way to be perfect, I think there's some freedom in that. If if we acknowledge that we're all kind of messed up. Yeah. And it's hard for me to say this without kind of tiptoeing toward theological language. Or um, amorality, on the, on the other hand, like... So why care? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, at this point, I feel like we have to we have to start drawing in scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we're there. Yeah. Because the idea that we're all kind of equally messed up or that we're all messed up in some way, rather, that we're all guilty, that we all bear guilt somehow, is, a, is an idea that has deep roots in, in the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, that we've all done something wrong. Right. 
we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes. I mean, the 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 thing that as Christians uh, we often come to is that Jesus offers us grace. Yeah. Uh, and the fact, th- this idea that um, you can't be perfect, but God loves you anyway, mm-hmm. and somehow Jesus makes up for that. So that being the case, why not just be amoral? Is is what often how you come back to that. And mm-hmm. Paul right acknowledges that he says, uh, "Should we sin more that grace is a, is abundant? Like just since you have all this grace, does right. that mean you ha- you can do whatever you want?" And Paul's answer is like, "No, because that lifestyle that 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 lifestyle is not your life anymore. You right. have a new life. Yeah. You exist in another space." Right. Um, and of course, there's a tension there that not even Paul can resolve. Right. Because he's there talking about how, like, I might be living a new life, but I still want to do all this messed up stuff. Mm-hmm. And somehow, right. despite that, I, I depend on Jesus' grace anyway. Mm-hmm. Wretched person that I am. Racist mm-hmm. or not, Starbucks is still delicious. <laughs> That's not what I want to say. <laughs> Don't attribute that quote to me. <laughs> Racist or not, Starbucks is still delicious. Bethany Stewart. <laughs> I've already made the t-shirt that's on your million. <laughs> it's my face on it. <laughs> that's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I also think that that scripture could be, like, super abused, right? Like, or mm. even that thinking, right? That, like, Jesus keeps, God keeps affording us grace. Um, I don't know. Because that scripture is saying, like, we shouldn't keep sinning. But I felt mm. like people get stuck on the grace part. Like, I always think of Steve Harvey saying, God's not through with me yet or God's yet working on me. And it's mm-hmm. like, all right, buddy, you have to put a little bit of effort right. into this, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to get too stuck on the grace aspect in the decisions that I'm making about, like, still yeah. consuming Starbucks or still buying online clothes from Forever 21. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. And I, and I don't think that... As like I earlier I said like I think the gra- the guilt can be helpful, and I don't think that I, I think if you ever get to a place where you just feel a hundred percent okay with everything that you're doing, I think that's a bad place. Right. <laughs> you know, I think you should feel a little bit of discomfort about the place that about our existence in this oppressive culture and the yeah. choices that we make. Absolutely. Like if you're ever just like sailing through life, doing whatever you want. There's probably and not a thinking trail of about blood the consequences. You. Yes, you're probably hurting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I don't think that that discomfort is a ba- is, is entirely a bad thing. Yeah. And I think that's, that's just it. It's, it, it's the, um, it's the, the way that like, yeah, that grace is abundant, but it also puts us in a context where we're connected with other people. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our choices on our own, our suffering is on our own, um, and so that's what we're, that's what we're like sussing out. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, that's one of the things Paul's trying to get to is like, you're not, you're not an individual anymore. in the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Like, your decisions are affecting your other brothers and sisters. Yeah. So think about that. Yeah, that's why you don't want to just sin freely, dog. Yeah. An ocean of grace has waves. Yeah. Is that a quote from something? No, I just made that up. Oh. Well, that's amazing. That's <laughs> yeah, a good one. We need to make that, that a pillow. Book. Or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna cross stitch that. It's totally like a Christian. <laughs> what's that? What's that? Uh, that story where it's like a woman's walking, and then there's two yes. footsteps. footsteps or whatever, and yeah, then there's one, one, and it's those. God. Yeah, we totally <laughs> need right. that on Update. that. Update. <laughs> It'll be a meme though. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Agreed. And I. Uh, and it. 
in the broad context of what we talk about a lot in terms of exploitation and oppression and racism, mm-hmm. we kind of touch upon this relates to how we approach that too totally when you live in america Mm -hmm. you are living in a racist system Mm -hmm. and you're going to contribute to it somehow Mm -hmm. yep uh and also there's no way to be free of it right right um i mean like you you can you can purchase that clothing product from like the the black owned business but they might like but there's a there's a whole supply chain that they're not even responsible for, like who they get their stuff and where it gets made before they put their whatever on it. Mm-hmm. But should we send more that grace may abound? Right. By no means. <laughs> right. This is good. Why shouldn't we send if grace is going to be there? Really? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we really saying about that? That's the central question that we're trying to wrestle with here. Yeah. yeah. Why can't I just do what I want and take candy from babies? Are we saying that's just because it affects other people? Like when we're in the body of Christ, we need to function as as if we would with our family. So if you wouldn't mm-hmm. cause harm to your family member, that's how we need to consider our, our body. Yeah, and I, I, I guess I'd like to extend that just beyond like who we consider our brothers and, Christ- and sisters because they practice the same faith. Mm, like I don't, yeah. I don't actually think that's like that's where our... Yeah, who is my neighbor? Right, exactly. <laughs> I love that Andrew yelled that at us. <laughs> the tone uh, yeah. got very serious. No, I felt that you know what I'm talking that. about. Yeah. <laughs> there are there are personal repercussions for doing crappy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there there is a there is a personal consequence. There is death in it for you. Yeah. I really don't like focusing there. Mm-hmm. But it's true. Yeah. Right. Where would you prefer to focus? I like I I like focusing on how it affects other people. I do too. I recently, maybe in September, I went to a diversity inclusion. Diverse, what are white people like talking about right now? What is it? Diversity, equity, and inclusion, or diversity, equality, and Beth inclusion? Looks at me like I have any idea. What He's my standard about. white guy. <laughs> Don't you feel like all white people like talking about diversity, oh, Chris, equity, what are, and inclusion? What are you talking or something about in here? Right with the language. Well, that sounds right to me. It's some, I know it's diversity and inclusion is mm. the language that white people like a lot right now. Mm. Um, and it was led by a white woman and a half Asian, half white man. Um, <laughs> the white woman started talking about how being racist affects white people. And I, <laughs> I had to stop her. And I was like, I just want to be honest that like, I feel like looking at racism at how it personally affects you is very consumeristic and consumerism is a huge part of capitalism and capitalism is a huge part of racist. So inherently your example is kind of racist. And the Asian guy kind of like ran in and saved her. It was like, I see what you're saying. And I see that you think a lot about this sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, jumped what? in to save her. Yeah, they're, they're... But you could tell that she hadn't really thought uh. deeply about that. But that was like a really white way of thinking of racism. Like, don't be racist because it'll hurt you. Right. Like, what? And, it, and it's not that that's not true. But we need to get the focus off of the people who are, cre- who are like, inducing trauma. Yeah. Like, this isn't about you. Yeah. And this isn't about the, the way it affects... Your capital of life, I guess, yeah. is, is the way I could yeah. phrase it. And and besides, like the way you um the way you work yourself out of that trauma, you're that you're causing yourself. Is, yeah, like 
it has to do with other people. Yeah, like, it it influences other people. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. not be racist because right. it'll upset you right. or hurt you in the long run. It's just like, come on, lady. I'm like, and I'm not, I'm not sure who that actually works for. White people, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, well, having said all that, I think we should acknowledge that if you live your life with that in mind about how your decisions affect other people, mm-hmm. I think you are going to become a better person. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you are going to be a person that is more loving you shouldn't do these things for your own personal development Mm -hmm. like we want to get away i think that's kind of what you're touching upon it's not about improving your own individual whatever mindfulness practice to become a better whatever right um and i think paul would argue that that's not new life to like to begin with like that's not what he's talking about yeah that's still a dead way of thinking thinking Mm -hmm. and being what mm-hmm. the faith, what Jesus and Paul are always calling us to is the idea of dying to that self, yeah. mm-hmm. dying to the insistence on on mm-hmm. you and what improves you and what's convenient for you. Right. Um, and that's why the early church was so like communally focused. And I really like the way our church tries to do that as well. But like they were kicking it and eating to dinner together mm-hmm. every night. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if I had money, you had money. Like we were putting the pot of money in all together. I really love that communal way of living right. as the body of Christ because I think that's where the challenge of being in community with people is where you really grow. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally true. And I love that way of thinking about it because it pulls us away from this, from the guilt and anxiety of like, right. what are my own individual choices doing for me? What right. are the things I can or can't mm-hmm. buy? And instead focus on what are these ways that I can build community and share with other people mm-hmm. and create this other thing that isn't part of this system or that doesn't require the existence of the system. I do that kind of selfishly sometimes too. I'm like, yeah, I bought this shit from sheen.com for $20, but... Uh-huh. I also visited somebody in prison last week. So, even... <laughs> so I'm doing exact the exact opposite right. of what we're actually talking about. <laughs> Don't be like me. That's right. <laughs> okay, so let's. Um, are we happy with where we ended up? Yeah. Okay. That like our focus is really about our our individual decisions don't really make that big a difference. We're not discouraging people from making good, ethically sound individual decisions. Mm -hmm. Part of the mission is to make these ethically sound decisions as a community and really think about our community when we make our decisions within and outside of our limited capacity. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the last thing we like to do is talk about stuff that we're into this week. Um, I'll start us off by saying um, I'm really into, I finally sat down and watched the Steven Universe movie. (laughs) Steven Universe is a cartoon about a boy who is half human, half crystalline alien called a gem. But it is also a beautiful story about diversity and is just, it is a very queer show. Mm -hmm. That's Mm. what I've always heard. Yes. And it's just a beautiful emotional Mm. show. But one of the things that I love about this movie, I'm going to contrast this with Star Wars since I just saw Rise of Skywalker as well. In Star Wars, the bad guy is redeemed by doing one thing and then dies immediately, which I think is very unsatisfying. (laughs) and we've talked about reconciliation and reparation before Mm -hmm. and i think it's because the idea that you can just like that you just repent and death immediately is is unsatisfying and i think that's why like right uh 
I'm attracted to certain ways of looking at what happens after you die, and we don't have to go back into that. <laughs> but one thing that I love about but Steven But if you Universe, do want to go back into that, it's episode seven. Yes, you go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> but one of the things I love about Steven Universe is that the bad guys end up being characters that you really love and care about and become redeemed. Mm. But they also have to work really hard to get to that point. And you mm. see their characters develop and change until this person that you originally was like, saw as a as a villain as an irredeemable villain Mm -hmm. ends up being a character that you really connect to and root for because of because uh, of the work that they because they work that they put on and it's this and it's a kid's show um it's the steven universe so the steven (laughs) universe movie is what i'm into um this week chris how about you well i um i went ahead and made a purchase from the um the evil overlord amazon prime last night um (laughs) purchase was um the movie Parasite. Okay. Um, I was about to say pox on you. <laughs> well, a parasite on me for sure. <laughs> um, the um, the new movie by um, Bong Joon Ho. Um, parasite takes a look at um, class in South Korea with like uh, an upper class family um, and their servants. Um, it's it's a little strange. It's it's a it's a thriller. Um, it's really compelling and um, unpredictable, and I, I thought it was really good. Cool. Beth? And we've mentioned in past episodes that I have been recently single of almost a year, actually, now. It'll be a year in May. Um, but my friend got me on some dating apps. I think dating apps are terrible, actually. Okay. Online dating is like dating people in person that you really know is already trash enough. <laughs> and then like having people haunt you and rate you on dating apps oh, is God. just like an extra like the salt and pepper of trash dating. But anyways, so me and my girlfriend call each other every night and just swipe on these dating apps. I particularly like Hinge and Coffee Meets Bagel because there's a lot more like professionals on there that are actually looking to date. Hmm. So I spend most of my free time on dating apps Hmm. as of the last couple of weeks. I've only been on one date, though, with a white guy. It was interesting. Do you have, like, search criteria? Preferably black. Uh, That's it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's that algorithm working, isn't it, Matt? That's pretty much it. I don't know how I ended up on a date with a white guy. One white guy. That's all I need. That's all I need. Yeah, it's dating apps. So that's it. That's what I'm into. Wow. Dating apps. How this white guy slipped in, I don't know. (laughs) So, uh, special thanks to Joe Mahoney, especially today, who worked especially hard to get us. Uh, up and running. Also to Luke Bartolomeo, our communications manager. Jared Selby does our theme song. And stay black, Little Mermaid. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to Color Correction. I uh I have to remember how we do this. A Jesusy podcast.
Okay. Welcome to Color Correction, a GCC podcast about race from Circle Mobilizing Because Black Lives Matter, a compassion team of Circle of Hope, a faith community in Philadelphia. And that's not how we've ever done this <laughs> Whoa. Before. No? Well, that's Andrew, too long? Andrew just used all his soda energy on the opening. Before, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Welcome to Color Correction. We're going to have to wake him back up by the middle of this episode. Uh, Welcome to Color Correction, a GCC podcast about race. My from name. the perspective from, of oh, a right. Right, Asian right, 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 guy, a black okay, okay. girl, and a white guy, too. Yes. Welcome to Color Correction. Man, the rhythm is off. Got to get it back into it. All right, all right. Welcome to Color Arby? Correction. Welcome. Yeah, it is that. It is Arby's. <laughs> Arby's-itis. 